0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I am glad to see you out. For the last few months, we've talked about the significance of the Word of God. I tell you guys, it's very important that we all hear the Word of God and we continue to hear the Word of God. We talked about the power of the blood of Jesus. Man, just stay under the blood and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. You know, we talked in that song or we sang that sin was great, but Jesus is greater. And every one of us not only have sin in our life, but we have shame. But understand this, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you that. So I don't have to live underneath all that guilt and shame. But tonight I want to shift gears and go to another thing in the Bible that I very, I believe it's very important we understand is the name of Jesus. And so open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to begin here tonight. And you know, it's important that I use the name of Jesus, but I can use the name of Jesus and not have any results. And the reason I believe that is, is because one, I've got to get a revelation of the name of Jesus. And what I mean by that, man, the name of Jesus has just got to come alive on the inside. And when I read the the passages of the apostles in the book of Acts, you see those guys had a revelation of the name of Jesus. Not only did they speak the name of Jesus, but they spoke that name in faith. And so releasing the power that comes with the name of Jesus, it's going to require faith, okay? And just in that statement alone, understand that when you speak the name of Jesus, do you believe that it has power and authority? And maybe you say tonight, I don't have that tonight. Or maybe you have in the past. I love to study the name of Jesus a couple times a year in my own life because it stirs me back up to say, I've got to believe the name of Jesus. Now let's begin in Philippians 2, verse 7. And it said, but made himself of no reputation, this is talking about Jesus, taking the form of a bondservant or a servant, and Jesus came in the likeness of men or a human being. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, And given Jesus the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven. And of those on earth. And those under the earth. Now one of the literal translations where it says. Of those in heaven. Those in earth. And those under the earth. Actually it has the word being. Beings. And so that verse would read that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow of beings in heaven and beings on earth and beings under the earth. So what are we talking about here? Well, the name of Jesus is above the angels. They're in heaven. There's some people in heaven too. But even here on earth, the name of Jesus is above people. The name of Jesus is above the devil and demons in hell. So understand, the name of Jesus is above every name, every being. He's the supreme Keep reading. Verse 11. And at the name of Jesus, or that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you don't work out salvation to get saved. You don't do anything to get saved except you receive Jesus. So what's he talking about? Work out your salvation. Well, when we get born again, that's the beginning point. And ultimately, when I begin to work out my salvation, I am beginning to complete it. I'm beginning to live before Father God. Understand, when we get saved, there should be some change in my life. There should be some fruit in my life. And so that's what he's talking about that I begin to work out my salvation where people start noticing your life. He's different. He talks different. He acts different. Now I'm going to come back to verse 12 here in a minute. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, a lot of people, when you talk about the things of God, the name of Jesus, they'll say, yes, when we get to heaven, it's going to be incredible. And I believe that that's true. But when Jesus was talking about all this stuff here in Philippians 2 through the Apostle Paul, he didn't say nothing about us being in heaven. He was referencing right here on earth, and you'll notice there he uses the word in verse 15, Among this crooked and perverse generation. There's not going to be nothing crooked and perverse in heaven. So it's obvious he wasn't talking about heaven there. He's talking about right here on earth. And look what he ultimately ends and says. That among whom you shine as lights in the world. So when I get born again and the things of God begin to happen in my life. I am literally the light of the world for Jesus. I'm to live for him and people would begin to take notice. And so when you begin to look at all this, I I read in the Bible at times the results that men and women had in the Bible. And I can say there's times in my life I haven't got the same results they did with the name of Jesus. Now when I speak the name of Jesus, why don't I get the results they did? So I begin to look at these verses here, and the Lord really jumped out and showed some things here. Look back at verse 8. And it says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. When you talk about that Jesus became obedient to the point of death, death is the extreme. Are you talking about being obedient? That was obedient to the extreme. And because of his obedience to the point of death, even the death of the cross, therefore, in some translations, the King James says, wherefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. So why did God give Jesus the name above every name? Because he was obedient to Father God. If he was obedient to Father God, that tells me Jesus did everything that Father God asked him. And so as Jesus being obedient into the point of extreme death even here, God said, I'm going to give you the name above every name. So there was an obedience even in Jesus' life. Now, look back at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, I really looked at this and I began to think, the name of Jesus still has power and authority. It hadn't lost its power and authority. But there must be something missing in my life and your life to keep it from operating like we think it should. And I believe part of that is obedience in our life. How many of you found out that obeying the Word of God is not always an easy feat? If it was, everybody would be Christian. To obey God takes a real person to say, I'm going to live for you, Father God. But Jesus gave it his all, and I believe he's asking us to do that. And so you look many times in the Bible, it refers to Jesus as the bridegroom, and we're the bride, or the church is the bride. Now when you think of a bridegroom and a bride, what does that tell you? you got to be married. Jesus isn't into dating, Okay. Jesus is only into being married. And if I'm not married to Jesus, that tells me that I'm not obedient to the point of death. I'm still withholding something from Him. So when me and Shelly got married, when she said, I do, which took great faith by her, she got my last name. She inherited that. And so because she inherited my last name she now had a legal right to everything I had. Back then, I didn't have very much, but she still had a legal right to it. And so she could write on a check, her last name being mine now, and she could get the same results that I did. But that didn't happen until we got married. As long as we were dating, that meant we weren't all in. And so even in this arena, that Jesus is saying, listen, I want all of you. I don't want to share you. I want your whole heart to the point of obedience. And I just wonder at times if this is one of the issues then in our life that we don't see the name of Jesus like we should or we could. Now to look at this a little bit more in depth, look back into the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I just want to highlight some things tonight. We're going to set a foundation here again. Try not to get in a hurry and jump away ahead of myself. In John chapter 14, I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. That's salvation when you, you believe in the Lord Jesus with your heart. He who believes in me. And the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. Now, when he was talking about greater works, that wasn't necessarily meaning in in value or significance. That was actually in numbers. How do we know that? Well, Jesus' ministry here on earth would only lasted three years. And so he's telling us the things we're going to do is going to be greater in number. And another reason I believe that is because Jesus was one person. Man, I look how many believers are in this room right here. And so there's a lot more believers in this room than there is Jesus. So obviously, we're going to do things more than he did just because we outnumber him. Keep reading. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name... That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, the prayer that's offered in Jesus' name right here takes on the full weight of the authority that we have in His name. So right here, Jesus is saying, listen guys, not only am I giving you my name, I'm giving you the authority that goes with my name. And the upcoming weeks, I'm going to talk about the authority that comes in His name Because the devil and the demons, they all know the authority in Jesus' name. Their greatest fear is that me and you start figuring it out. Keep reading. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So there's two things here that jump out to me. Number one is i got to believe not only in in salvation in the name of Jesus, but I must believe that when I ask in the name of Jesus, stuff is going to happen. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. One translation says, obey my commandments. And those who love Christ will prove their devotion by their obedience. So we talk through here in John 14, 12 through 15, and we see the name of Jesus and He's saying, man, the things I did, you'll do also. But then all of a sudden, he throws this in here. And again, you can tie this to, do I obey? Do I obey his commands? And I believe there's something to that again, that the name of Jesus, once again, has not lost its power. But something happens when I begin to obey that name daily. Now, turn just a couple pages to John 16. And let's read verses 23 and 24. Look what's said here. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy be full. Now, he's talking to his disciples right here. And he said to them, Up until this time, or up until now, you haven't asked me nothing in my name. You know why? Because Jesus was always with them. He'd been with them for three years, and so everything they needed, he was there. And so now, he's beginning to tell them, listen boys, I'm leaving this place called earth. And the key that you're going to have to get is you're going to have to begin to ask, but the ticket is this. You ask in my name. And this is what he told his disciples. Ask in my name and you'll get the same results. Now, we're not asking for Jesus' sake. Jesus doesn't need to be saved. He doesn't need to be healed. He doesn't need to be delivered. So we're asking on our behalf. Verse 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now we go back to verse 23 and read it one more time also. And in that day, you will ask me nothing, most assuredly. I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So Jesus is saying this. You ask the Father in my name, I'll endorse it, and God will give it to you. But the key is, I've got to start learning the name of Jesus. Now remember, it's it's the name above every name. So the key is this, I find out biblically what the Word of God says. And then I just get in agreement with the Word of God, but I say, Father God, I ask you today in the name of Jesus that you said in such and such verse. You said in 1 John 1, 9 that if I confess my sin, you'll not only forgive me, but you'll cleanse me. So Father God, I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus. And I can believe that that's how it takes place. That's how it's going to go forward. But I've got to start getting hold of the name of Jesus. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says that you only have 1,000 times to use that name. No. That name is is unlimited. And one of your greatest heritages you can have as a believer, wear that name out. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. And there will be times in your life that the only thing that may be able to come out of your mouth is Jesus. Jesus! There's been times in my life that's happened where the only thing I could say fast enough was Jesus. First thing, if I wake up in the middle of the night, where I don't do that very often, it's going to be Jesus. I read recently there was a a man that his four-year-old son was with him in the car. And he took a turn too fast, and the door opened and the little boy flew out. And as the little boy flew out, the dad could see traffic coming behind him. And in the natural, his little boy, four-year-old, is going to get run over. And all the dad can say is, Jesus! He gets pulled over. And he goes back there and look. And the little boy has some bumps and bruises on him, but he's alive. And he's not hurt at all. Well, the guy in the car behind him, who he thought was going to run over his son, He's, he's in hysterics, he's just messed up, he's over there shaking. And the dad goes over and says, listen, it's okay. My little boy's all right, he's okay. And the man looked at him and said, no sir, you don't understand. I never did hit my break. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. That's a powerful name. Let's go a little bit further tonight. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. So what we're talking about here, that when we speak the name of Jesus, that it puts prayer or the the things we're asking for in a legal basis. In other words, we have the legal right to use that name. And if you're born again, whoo, speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Matthew 28. Let's begin in verse 18. I just start in verse 16. Let's just start right there. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. That's not good. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And some people would say, well, man, that's great news. That Jesus has got all the power in heaven and all the power of earth. And if Jesus has all the power on heaven and earth, then let him do everything. If something's got to be done in my life, Jesus is just going to show up and do it because he's got all the power and authority. But I can't stop reading there. Look what he says in verse 19. Go therefore, or therefore go. One translation literally says, you go therefore. So right here, just in those words, Jesus immediately is transferring his authority and his power, and look who he transfers his authority and power to. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and only the Holy Spirit. And so when you go ahead and look at this, Jesus is saying, all the authority that I have on heaven and all the authority I have on earth, I'm now authorizing you to have it. You, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And what was that authority to do? Well, if you'll note in there, he said, make disciples of all nations, get them baptized, but then he doesn't stop. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe or obey all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus is right here saying, listen, I'm sending you out to do it. Now, do you think you could do any of the things he asked you to if you didn't have power and authority? No. And so right here, Jesus transfers that to the believers. And understand this. Everything that Jesus has already done, he's not going to do it again. The only time Jesus is coming back to the earth is in the second coming when all this thing will wrap up. And so right now, according to the Bible, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me and you. So I'm telling you, he's done everything he's going to do. But you know what he said? Everything I overcame on this earth, and when I went to hell, and according to Colossians 2.15, he disarmed principalities and powers in hell. He took care of them, and he said, now, here you go. Here's my name. Use it. Be bold with it. Turn back just a couple pages. i got one more passage i got to get us to here. Matthew 18. And this is going to be very similar to what, what we talked about here. And in this passage here, Jesus is dealing with, with a sinning brother. What would that be? That would be a brother in, in, or sister in Christ. And they've sinned. So I'm going to use Raul, for example. That me and Raul are brothers in Christ, and I've done something wrong toward Raul. I've wronged him as a brother. This isn't talking about the world. This is talking about Christians, fellow believers, okay? Look with me. Let's, let's just begin in verse 15. Moreover, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, if you have gained your brother. Now, he's telling you to do this in private, and he listens to you and confesses. That's a great thing. Verse 16, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So he's saying, okay, if he doesn't heed it this first time, you take two or three other witnesses with you and you confront him again in a godly way. You don't go in there and say, listen, stupid. Verse 17, but if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Wow. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. In other words, then, he's like the world. He's like the sinner. Verse 18. Why does that play into this? You're going to see. Assuredly, I say to you, you and you and you, whatever you bind, forbid, on earth will be bound or forbid in heaven. And whatever you loose or permit on earth will be loosed or permitted in heaven. Who did he say that to? You. You and me and and, and all the believers here. Now this is a wonderful promise. But you're not going to be able to loose and bind unless you have the power and authority to do it. And so he's telling me and you, I've given you the power and authority here on earth. To loose it and bind it. Here's one of the best ways to understand that. Is what I'm asking God for, is it permitted in heaven? Because if it's permitted in heaven, then it'll be good to loose here on earth. If it's not permitted in heaven, then I don't want nothing to do with it. Now look real close at verse 19. And again I say to you, that if two of you agree, where? On earth, concerning what? What? Anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If two of them on earth agree, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So I say all this to sum this up right here. If you're in, in unforgiveness toward another brother or sister in Christ Jesus, and you don't get it right, the prayer of agreement's not gonna work for you. And when I begin to read this, this was another thing that I began to see. This is a thing that keeps the name of Jesus from fully functioning in our lives like Jesus and Father God intended it to be. And so I gotta ask myself this question. A lot of times we go and we pray, and in the name of Jesus, we pray this and that, and nothing happens. And you get mad and you stomp your feet and say, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. But then I got to go back and look at this and say, Am I in ought? Am I in unforgiveness toward another believer? Because if I am, it shut down my faith. And so, right there, we saw in those first three verses, I got to get it right in my heart. That if I don't get it right in my heart, you're not going to have the power to bind and loose like Jesus wants us to. And so we go back to a lot of this stuff that we're looking tonight, and I'm just showing you things, even in my own life, that I think, this has hindered my faith. What was the first thing? I don't walk in full obedience to God. Then how can God do what he wants to for so the name of Jesus? And then second of all, you begin to see here, These are just little stumbling blocks that I think the Lord has given us tidbits. The word of God and the name of Jesus haven't lost its power. We just haven't done what he's always asked us to do. And when I don't do that, it stops me right there in my tracks. So I say this, man, let's get our hearts right. Are you preaching perfect? No, no. The only person that was perfect was Jesus, and he was crucified for it. We're not going to be perfect, but I will tell you this, that in our lives, that when we don't obey God, it ought to bother us. It ought to bother me. Stir me up to say, Lord, I repent. I don't want to do that. Help me to obey. Help me to live for you. And then the second thing is i got to ask myself this question. Am I holding unforgiveness toward other believers, toward people? See, there in Mark 11, uh, 25, Jesus himself said, If you don't forgive other people, I can't forgive you. That Bible reads the same for me as it does you. And so one of the best things you can learn to do is begin to speak over your life. Lord, I'm quick to repent and I'm not easily offended. I'm not going to walk in offense. I'm going to walk in love. And when I begin to do this, man, I mean begin to use the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. I mean, you walk into your children's room and you walk in there at night and they're fearful and you sense the spirit of fear. You don't ask the spirit of fear to go. You command him in the name of Jesus. And you get bold and you say, "Huh? not here, not in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, there's times in your life you're going to have to be bold with the name of Jesus. I heard the story of this, this, this uh, a little old lady who was at a bus stop one day. She was sitting there waiting for the bus to come, and there was a little dog standing there. And and she was knowing the bus was going to come, and she said, go home, little dog. little dog just sit there and wag its tail, and go home, go home, go home. And all of a sudden, she saw the bus coming, and she realized that little dog's got to go. And she got up, and she goes, go home. And you know what he did? He took off. He took off. See, there's times in our life the devil knows what you're doing. And when the name of Jesus is, in, is on the inside of you, and you've got a revelation in that name, he knows. He knows. That man or woman, they don't play. They don't play. And so this is the point in this. We've got to get in this, this in our hearts and get a revelation of it where when we begin to speak that name, it's not like, ooh, I hope it works today. I hope it no. I can go in to pray in the name of Jesus. And I can speak that name. Let me tell you one more little story real quick and then I'll let you go. I'm gonna tell you stories throughout this, just in my own life. We were it was it was uh, the winter of nineteen ninety-four. And we were up in the mountains in Cloudcroft, man, it began to snow cats and dogs. And I didn't listen to my heart. Man, the Lord told me to go early in the day, and I didn't. And so we're leaving town and golly, it's snowing and I come around a curve, and I had a rear-wheel drive car, and I'll tell you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't turn. I mean, I'm moving the steering wheel, and it's just it's sliding, and I'm like, oh, no, this isn't good. And all of a sudden, I look up, and there's another car coming at me, and I'm in their lane. I mean, they're coming right at and it's quick. And it's so clear that I, I can see the other driver's eyes, and, and it was a woman, and she's looking at me like, get over, you drunk. Get over. Problem was I wasn't drunk. And I could not get it over. I couldn't and I'm telling you, I, I told Shelly and my kids, I said, get out, get out. In the name of Jesus. And boom, we hit. Head on. And next thing I know, you know, airbags are going all over the place. And by the time I knock it down, we're going down this embankment and I realize my car's still moving. And the only thing I remember saying was, Jesus! The car comes to stop, just still. And I get out, and the car is between two telephone poles. Just like I had parked it there on purpose. And below us was a river, and we had stopped. And I looked, and and I didn't think much about it at the time, because I thought, oh, Lord, I pray I didn't kill somebody. And so I get out, and I run up there, and the ladies are all right and everything. But I never forgot that, that when in a moment of need, and I spoke the name of Jesus, and he moved. He moved. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.